You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. I'm your host, Jared Morris. Excited to talk some IU basketball this week with you and with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live immediately after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. And if you can't listen live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts and you will find us. Well, it was an interesting week for Indiana basketball. You know, if you just, before the season, dropped us into the middle of this week and said, okay, Indiana's going to throttle Illinois at home and lose a tough road game at Maryland, you'd think, okay, another week in the Big Ten. Indiana's not going to go undefeated in the Big Ten, but we're probably doing okay. Unfortunately, with the context of everything that came before, it was a week that didn't make Indiana fans feel a whole lot better about what's going on. And so on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, we're going to talk about whether or not what we saw this week uh, should make us feel better and, and, and what the chances are of Indiana getting this thing turned around and what needs to happen for Indiana to get this thing turned around. But let's begin, as we always do, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment, the moment during the past week that most strongly suggested that Indiana is on the right path to hanging banner number six from the rafters in Simon Scott Assembly uh, Hall. And simply put, for me, it was James Blackman Jr. getting back to being an assassin. He was sensational offensively against Illinois. Uh, and then against Maryland, he was huge in the second half, hitting big shot after big shot. And not only that, but playing with a level of emotion and confidence and swagger that seemed to be missing from him a little bit in games against Wisconsin games against Louisville and so it was great to see him getting back to being that kind of leader which is what Indiana is going to need moving forward all right let me introduce my esteemed co-host to my left we have the host of bracketology.fm and the world's number one ranked bracketologist according to bracketmatrix.com he is also the proud president of the Robert Johnson fan club he is Andy Bottoms Andy welcome what was your bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball well, I would be remiss if I didn't start with uh, our trip to Bloomington on, on last weekend for the game. Uh, seeing the renovations at Simon Scott Assembly Hall was uh, was outstanding. And as you can tell by my voice, anybody who has illusions of uh, the fact that drinking a lot of beer at various Bloomington establishments can keep you uh, from getting sick, that is not true, uh, as it would turn out. But uh, definitely had a great time uh, with you guys as we, uh, as we enjoyed the game and uh, were the slump busters that we hope we would be uh, going into it. But in terms of uh, actual basketball, I mean, the, the big thing that sticks out to me uh, is the defense continues to struggle. That's now four or five straight games, allowing at least 1.14 points per possession uh, and have really struggled on the end of the floor in the Big Ten. And it's it's not great to look up and feel like you saw some improvements there at times during the game uh, against Maryland and even at times in the Illinois game. But that just hasn't been able to sustain itself. And unfortunately, uh, if this team's going to string together wins like they now need to. That's something that has to get fixed, and and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more 
uh, as we move forward. But I think that is the glaring thing that sticks out to me after uh, after this week and, and looking back at some of the stats is that that's just you know something that when you compare this team uh, to last year's team, it's a it's a glaring difference. It, it's actually startling some of the the stats that come out of uh, doing that research. And to my right, and not, and not in a good way. No, not at all. And to my right, we have a man with a seaside commute that is much prettier than all of ours combined, a columnist for TheBigLead.com, and someone who would have happily pushed Dean Spanos and his sons in front of OG Ananobi's high-flying thunderdunk on Tuesday. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, welcome. What is your rant from not just the past week in Indiana basketball, but just your rant from the past week? Um, yeah, this is gonna, I, I know you guys, this is an Indianapolis station and this is an Indiana basketball radio show, but, uh, bear with me for a minute. It's been a really rough, uh, you know, past 48 hours in San Diego, my hometown, uh, where I grew up and, and have lived for most of my life. Uh, the San Diego chargers, as you guys all well know, have <clears throat> decided after 55 years to vacate to Los Angeles, um, and it's really got me thinking. I wrote a column today for the big lead entitled Dean Spanos, get the hell out of my city and don't come back. Uh, if you want to read it, you can go. Jared tweeted it out today on the assembly call account. Um, but, you know, what I want to say about this is it's, it's really got me thinking about sports and what sports mean to us. And I know a lot of people are frustrated with Indiana basketball right now. I get it. I'm there with you. Uh, a lot has gone wrong and, uh, it's frustrating, but my advice to you would be that if, if you're not having fun watching this team or you're getting angry to the point and upset to the point where it ruins your day or ruins a few days, or you are watching this team and you can't enjoy the stretches of good play. I mean, let's face it. The Maryland game, while the result was poor, uh, was not a bad game. I mean, that was an entertaining basketball game. We lost. but it was entertaining and it was a fun game to watch. And there were some good swings and Indiana played well at times. If you can't find joy in that, um, walk away now because for the last three years, I have not found joy in being a chargers fan and I have not enjoyed football for the last four years. And I should have walked away and I would not be feeling the way I feel today as a result of this. If I had just not let it get to me, Sports are supposed to be fun. Uh, watching sports are supposed to be a diversion and a joy and something that we enjoy. It's cool to get frustrated. It's cool to get upset. That's part of it because your attachment to the team. But if it's genuinely upsetting you and putting you in a mood where it ruins a few days for you, just take a break. Walk away and maybe come back when you can refocus a little. Um, I was blindsided today. It was like a punch in the gut uh, when the Chargers – uh, announced they were leaving. And I think that, you know, again, I, I should have, I I shouldn't have been this invested. And, uh, there are more important things than football. And that has really become clear to me in the last couple hours. And, uh, I think there should be more important things than basketball. I love it. It's great. I'm a huge fan of Indiana, but it's not life or death and we shouldn't treat it that way. Yeah, well said. By the way, we're recording this on Thursday night, so when Ryan says today or earlier today, he means yesterday. Um, I don't even know what day it is anymore. It's been a long one, guys. I can't believe you just said there are more important things than basketball on a radio show that's airing in Indiana. 
slightly. I mean, you guys have children. You should. I, I don't have a kid. I, I shouldn't be saying that. You should be. Yeah, and we tell them they're more important than basketball, but we don't have to tell them the truth when we're here on the radio. Oh. Well, that's fair. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Ryan, I know that we might not have you for the full show tonight, so we want to get some of your thoughts on what we just saw uh, for Indiana. But first, real quick, uh, I do want to take a quick second and tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com, because if you consider yourself a Hoosier, and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. In fact, we like their product so much that we moved production of our Assembly Call logo T-shirts to Hoosier Proud because they produce high-quality work, care about their customers, and take pride in their Indiana roots like we do. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code AC, like AC Slater, to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All righty, you're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And Ryan, for the time that we have left with you, give me your big pic- uh, your big picture thoughts on Indiana. I know, you know we're going to talk coming up about the importance of OG and Thomas Bryant, the importance of defense, and you actually think there's something bigger, almost on a more macro level, that needs to happen for this team to get things turned around uh, in a significant way. Uh, and I believe that starts with leadership with you, right? Yeah. yeah, I think that leadership is the is the big dividing line for this team. I mean, somebody needs to step up as a leader. I thought James Blackman Jr. as you you lauded him, and I think rightfully so. It looked like he was a guy who was trying to put the team on his shoulders and and and, and win that game at Maryland. Um, and you, you know, you mentioned Thomas Bryant, OG Ananobi. I think those guys have to take it, leadership roles as well because th- you know they're the best players talent wise on this team, and they need to act like it and play like it. And, you know, take that on themselves to attack and to to play like leaders. Um, But I think leadership is the number one thing. I know that's a more nebulous concept than play better defense and these guys need to produce more, uh, which are certainly both of those other two points are, are extremely important for this team. But I think that that just pure leadership from those from from somebody, somebody stepping up and somebody taking control of this team uh, is the biggest factor. Let me ask you a question. I mean, when it comes to OG and Thomas, because so much has been put on those guys' shoulders from the preseason, I mean, expected to be potential All-Americans, and, you know, they've played some of this season with the more experienced guys being up and down. What we saw Tuesday night was really, you know, strong play for the most part from James Blackman Jr. offensively. Robert Johnson struggled shooting-wise, but kind of led defensively, and Josh Newkirk was even a steady hand on Tuesday night. If those junior guards can continue to do that and be rocks upon which Indiana can rely, will that help OG and Thomas kind of settle into their roles a little bit if maybe they don't have to maybe have the pressure feeling like they have to do everything? Could that at all in your mind be contributing to some of their struggles? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Uh, They've gone from guys who... Uh, I think Bryant last year was relied upon, but OG was just sort of, for most of the season, was... Hey, whatever you can get from him is great as long as he plays defense and then whatever he does on offense is a huge bonus. By the end of the year, they're relying on him more. Um, but, you know, you had so many other weapons last year with Troy Williams and, and Yogi Ferrell and Nick Zeisloft and Max Bielfeld that you didn't need them to perform every game. Uh, that's different this year. I think it is, as we've seen, the games they've lost, those two guys have not performed. And the games they've won, they have. And so it really is a stark contrast from game to game 
what you've seen from those guys. So I think that that is certainly a huge issue. And if the leadership comes from somewhere else, that's great. It'll definitely take pressure off those guys and they can get back to just attacking and, and playing the way they're supposed to play. Hey, so I know we're not going to have you for bold predictions. You did get your bold prediction right, uh, your reasonable prediction, which was Indiana's going to win a game. Fortunately, they did that against Illinois, so that got you on the board. Uh, do you want to offer a bold prediction now, or do you want to send it to us later? Uh, I've got to consider this. I, I will send it, and I'll make it public. I'll send it to the Assembly Call Twitter feed, and you can put it out there. Um, but I've, I've got to consider this. Since I'm on a, I, I have a chance to go on a win streak, I, I don't want to just throw one out there. I've got to, I've got to seriously consider this, take some time, maybe meet with my family. And and decide what we're going to do. Andy, can spoiler we? Spoiler alert! The uh, spoiler alert: It's going to be IU beats Rutgers. Yeah, are we going to allow that? To, let's we just know cut that. to the chase. But Andy, will we allow that? We can't allow uh, that, right? I I don't I don't believe so. Okay, I, I will so. not. We let the prediction. Illinois one. We let the Illinois one slide last week. I, I like promise. We I yeah. promise you and the listeners, my my reasonable prediction will not be that Indiana beats Rutgers. Uh, any final thoughts from you? Oh, so Ron? now you think they're going to lose to Rutgers? All right, let's start uh, that narrative. Okay. Hey, maybe. Uh, maybe he has picked be it against it. IU in that scenario before, as I recall. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> let's not right. bring that up. Nobody wants that's, to hear it. That's right. Uh, yeah. My final thought would be just hang with this team. There's a real good chance to turn things around right now. Uh, that's two games in a row they can build positives from. Uh, you know, it's it's not gone well so far, but this team still has plenty of time to turn things around. It's urgent. It's certainly urgent. Um, but with Rutgers, Penn State, uh, struggling Michigan State, at Michigan, at Northwestern, and then Penn State at home in a row, that's six games right there that this team could, you know, probably should win um, if they play the right way. The key is getting there, and the key is finding some leadership and getting production out of the right guys. And, of course, as you guys are going to talk about, playing some defense absolutely all righty well when we come back andy and i will be here uh we're gonna dive in for this next segment and talk about og and thomas bryant what's going on with those guys what we expect from them moving forward are we being unfair to them all of that coming up next on the assembly call stay with us You are listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU hoops with Andy Bottoms. And Andy, for the next couple segments, we're going to be discussing what I think you and I both agree are the two biggest things that need to improve for Indiana to kind of take the next step and get this season turned around and get back on the right track. And the first of those is the play of OG Ananobi and Thomas Bryant. And these are two guys that, after strong freshman seasons, you know, Thomas's was more expected, OG's somewhat came out of nowhere, you know, found themselves thinking about entering the NBA draft in the offseason. They both decided to come back to school. The hype train just seemed to go nuts in the offseason. Thomas uh, finding himself on the cover of magazines, a preseason All-American. OG, you know, on, I believe, the Sporting News preseason All-American team and, you know, talked about as a top 10 pick and the next Kawhi Leonard and all of this. And expectations just went nuts. And we've seen flashes from each guy. I mean, Thomas Bryant, think back to how well he played in the Kansas game, some of his other performances. OG, you know, think back to that play he made Tuesday night when it was 73-70 and he goes down the lane and it kind of makes you wonder, why can't he do that all the time? And, you know, it's gotten me thinking with these two guys, they're obviously so talented, but the expectations were so high. 
I can't decide, and I oscillate back and forth between if we're being fair to them or unfair to them with what we're expecting. Because on the one hand, we see their talent, we see their ability, we see their flashes, and we say, these guys are all Big Ten level players at a minimum. Let's see it on a game-in, game-out basis. And yet, they're also sophomores. And sophomores can struggle sometimes. And a guy like OG in particular is not a guy that seems to have a natural assassin's mentality. He's more of a laid-back guy. And it's like we all want him to adopt Yogi Ferrell's mentality overnight. And so I can't decide if we're assessing these guys fairly, expecting too much, not expecting enough. I really, I struggle with it. And, you know, you probably know better than anybody because I've gone back and forth with it a little bit on, on the postgame show. But I put in our postgame email, you know, who are these guys? Are they the guys that we've seen struggle and be inconsistent are they the all-American level players that we thought they were, or are they, are they something in between? Uh, and and on what kind of curve should we be grading them? What what are your thoughts on the two of those guys before we kind of get into, you know, what we expect from them moving forward? Uh, it's interesting to to look, and I think it's a little bit different answer for for the two of them. I think with OG, uh, the biggest thing that I feel like comes up, and certainly came up in the in the wake of the Maryland game, was. You know, he had those couple really nice drives, and those are the only two shots he made from the field. And and so the natural reaction for everybody is to say, like, why can't you just go and tomahawk dunk on everybody on every single play, which is obviously equally unrealistic. I think it's, though, even defensively at times where it seems like he, you know, kind of fades in and out, uh, will have a really good possession or two. And then, uh, you know, something that, that we would always talk about last year, he was always down in a stance. And then you see him kind of get away from that a little bit. And so um, I think I think with him, it's more the the consistency uh, with Brian, I, I think it's uh, we talked about this earlier in the year and it seemed like there have been times when he he started to figure this out. It, it's kind of the balance of where and how he's going to play, particularly on the offensive end. And and so um, while he hasn't taken a ton of threes, I think that can be overblown at times. Um, I think some of it is positioning, though, in terms of he allows himself to you know hang out on the outside and not really get in the paint. And I thought in the second half of the Illinois game, particularly late, he did a much better job. Uh, of that really put pressure on them, made some nice plays in there and got away from that in Maryland. I think I said after the Maryland game, it reminded me a little bit of North Carolina where just an older post player really rooted him out, didn't let him catch the ball where he wants to and really made him unsure of himself. And so I think that's a case of, you know, does he really just need to to focus in on, hey, I'm going to be this guy that plays in the post uh, and I'm going to play in pick and roll scenarios and I'm going to cut hard to the, to the basket at that point. You know, it, does he focus on those things? Um, I think we everybody gets caught up, and this is where the draft stuff comes from, on like you know the player development component uh, and all those things. Hey, these guys have developed outside shots there, you know, have a diversified game. That's great. I think at times though, it makes it difficult for them to figure out where their bread is truly buttered uh, within the game, and and you know you, you see them make some some good post moves and some quick decisions, uh, but other times they both seem very tentative. Um, even when they do get the ball where they where they want to be, and I think both of them are, are overthinking a lot of things right now. It's so interesting with Thomas because, I mean, the guy's shooting over 40% from three-point range. We saw him hit that huge shot against Illinois. And you and I both noticed, and I think it was more obvious in person, some of the physical limitations that he has offensively and defensively when it comes to playing in the post. You know, he's not real fluid in his hips. He doesn't bend really well. And so it's hard for him to get low. You know, he doesn't have a big, wide base, a big butt, you know, like a guy like Deron Davis has, which helps him hold position. And so, you know, it gets me thinking, well, shoot, you know, look at his body frame. 
look at his three-point shooting. Maybe he is better served playing out on the post or playing outside. But then you think back to his freshman year, and this is a guy who made seventy, you know, sixty-eight percent of his twos or whatever, and was really effective on the block. And it's almost like he's regressed a little bit in that part of his game where he goes to the same move every time. And I, so I, and obviously the makeup of the team is different, so he's getting a lot more attention. So I struggle with that a little bit because I think you're right. This whole notion of positionless basketball has at some times this season felt more like rollless basketball, and I know we've talked about that. And maybe it's one of those things where it's some growing pains with guys trying to figure this out, and it's all going to you know, magically in February morph into this beautiful offensive system. But right now it does seem like guys are kind of questioning where they should be, what they should be doing, um, and, and so we'll see. Um, what do you think is – I know you, know you ran some numbers, which we were talking about when we took a break, and I think that they're interesting because you know, what we're talking about here is Indiana taking that next step and, and the importance of OG and Thomas producing because their inconsistency has seemed to coincide with Indiana's poor performances. Is that right? Yeah, I would definitely say so. It, one thing to just get back on Bryant is, you know, he was obviously a number of those shots was the beneficiary of a lot of, you know, passes from Yogi Robert Johnson uh, on plays where he really was effective at cutting to the basket. And I think we've seen even these last couple games there's these flashes where guys make really hard cuts from out beyond the three point line. Newkirk's done it a couple times. Devonte Green did it once, uh, and they got fed from, you know, I think Bryant and Davis and those kinds of guys. So um, I, I do think that 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 is. Uh, you know, something that we're not seeing consistently from them in those pick and roll scenarios. And I think you could see that from OG. Um, I think you'd like to see him. Can he work the baseline the way that, you know, that Troy Williams did last year? Can you see some of those like hard cuts? Because that's something that IU talks about a lot. But when it gets to be the game, I feel like you don't see it as much as you would think that it would be. Yeah, it's almost like they're making it too hard, (laughs) you know, like making offense too hard. Yeah. So well, and I think with OG, it's, you know, he talks about how he struggles on the, he always struggled on the baseline. I think Dan Dockage brought that up the other night. And, and, you know, the two plays he made was when he got ahead of steam really going down the lane. Uh, and certainly after that play the other night, nobody's going to be, uh, people aren't going to be lining up to get in his way. Yeah. By the way, you, you suggested that it was ridiculous to think that OG couldn't do that on every play, but it's hard to see a play like that where he just takes it and goes. I mean, you know, it's hard to look at that and be like, well, why can't you do that on every play? which I know is unfair. Um, you're listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. We're talking IU basketball right now. We're talking about OG and Thomas Bryant and what those guys need to do to take the next step and be the consistent players that Indiana can rely on, which Indiana needs to get this thing turned around. What did you see uh, from those guys when you looked at the games Indiana's lost? Yeah, so I've I've taken to only looking at the the non cupcake games at this point, which they're now more of than than cupcake games. So we've got nine Woo-hoo! of those uh, <laughs> under our belt at this point. So we've crossed the crossed the fifty fifty mark. But um, you know, tried to look at some of those games and the games that IU won and the games that they lost. What was really the difference? And I looked really across four guys who I think everybody would agree are the four best, most important, whatever measure you want to use. Uh, you know, so that's OG, uh, James Blackman, Thomas Bryant, and Robert Johnson, and. So tried to look and see, is there really a big difference between what those guys as a group do in wins and what those guys as a group do in losses? And so as a as a quartet, uh, those guys average 65 points a game in wins and 48 in losses. And I even tried to back out the uh, uh, the Fort Wayne game and it really didn't make any make any substantial difference uh, in that one. Just kind of knowing that OG, you know, quote unquote, wasn't himself uh, in that. So that's a pretty wide range Um, when that. When the four of them score 60 or, or less, they're 1-6. When they score 50 or less, they're 0-4. Oh uh, 
Um, and looking a little bit deeper, just at combinations, um, you know, James and, and Robert are pretty consistent wins to losses. There's a little bit of a drop off, but not a huge one. Uh, when you look at Bryant and OG in wins, they average almost 31 points a game and then losses 19 and a half um, out of those big games. So I think it speaks to how important it is to figure out a way to get them going. It isn't meant as a criticism of them necessarily, but I think it's important that, you know, we walked out of the game against Illinois and those, those four had 75 points. Um, this team's not going to lose uh, many, if any, games when they get to that to that mark. And I think that's important. And, um, you know, they're not going to get 75 every game, but I think uh, getting those guys into double figures and really finding a way to get OG engaged early, uh, particularly as we kind of talk about, can can drift a little bit, not super assertive and going to go, you know, grab the ball, probably probably the least likely to do that of those four. So is it a case where they really try to get him some opportunities early, uh, either in the post or some, you know, design plays to, to get him cutting toward the basket? Uh, if only we could play Illinois at home every Big Ten game. That would cure everything that ails us. <laughs> I watched Michigan's defense last night. I look forward to playing them. That should also be uh, that should also be fun. Yes, and Ohio that... State uh, and Ohio State against Wisconsin looked equally terrible. So uh, Ohio State's the last game of the season though, and they only play them once. So, but but a couple a uh, couple easier defenses to look forward to where those guys uh, that that quartet could certainly get going. Yes, you know, and look to be fair, Robert Johnson and James Blackman Jr. have had their struggles. I mean, we saw Robert Johnson go one for thirteen in a game. You know, he shot poorly. We saw James, you know, not play particularly well against Wisconsin. But the thing is, you know, even when those guys struggle, you know, they're out there and they kind of find a way to get themselves involved. When OG struggles, it's almost like he disappears from the game, you know. And when Thomas struggles, you know, he's been able to rebound somewhat consistently this year and 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 know you know he's getting more blocks this year but it's kind of been the same thing where he almost isn't even a factor and I think that to me is part of the problem is Robert and James even when they're not shooting well they are constantly putting pressure on the opposing team especially offensively and Robert typically on defense but when we've seen OG struggle he's invisible on defense as much as he is on offense and that's probably the biggest disappointment to me with OG is his steal rate is you know a, a more than a full percentage point less and part of that is he's just not playing passing lanes as aggressively. And a part of that is he's not, you know, down in a stance and as attentive off the ball as we saw him be last year. And so it's, just, it's the fact that when those guys aren't there, they're really not there. And they seem to be, to me, struggling to play through adversity. You know, when things don't start out very well, they can kind of get down. And I don't know if it's that they lose their confidence or they lose their enthusiasm for the game, but they struggle to fight through that a little bit. And that's where I come back to, well, they're sophomores. There have been a lot of sophomores that have struggled with that mental part of the game. And so, you know, I, I do, I'm trying myself to try to be fair to them in terms of what a normal college basketball player goes through and how they develop. But the reality of college basketball is also that, you know, if you're going to be a great program, you're going to have to rely on freshmen and sophomores. And these guys are sophomores who have now played a lot of minutes. So I don't think, I do think we need to, you know, remember that they're sophomores but that also doesn't excuse, you know, some of the inconsistency. And I think we have to hope now as they, you know, to use the cliche, you know, freshmen become sophomores and sophomores become juniors, you know, in the season, which has always been kind of an awkward statement to me, but we get what it means. I think we have to hope that a mental maturity comes with that that helps them play more consistently. Because if they do, you know, Indiana's going to be able to out-talent teams like Penn State and like Northwestern. And if they don't, then those teams are really going to give Indiana trouble by, by playing tough physical defense, making it a hard game. And Indiana thus far this season hasn't, for the most part, had the stomach for the hard games. And you have to in the Big Ten because game in, game out, you're going to have hard challenges. 
Yeah, I think, you know, with, with both those guys, you talk about a little bit of the adversity. I think we saw a little bit of that in the beginning of the Maryland game. It's so many shots blocked around the rim, and uh, they weren't the only guys who struggled to finish there. Um, but I think it, it did affect them a little bit as they as they move forward in the game. And I think that's something they both need to continue to work on because, um, you know, OG, it's, it's funny. You wonder how he ever gets – again, you kind of wonder how does he ever get a shot blocked after you see how high he can jump and – you know, the play in the Illinois game, we were both sitting there and he just kind of just kept rising. Oh, man. And it's like, how, it's did, like he had how would anyone, on. yeah, how do, would anyone ever block his shot? And I think some of that's just making quick moves. I was um, watching the the journey, first episode of the journey on Big Ten Network, and they showed a, you know, a basket that OG made against Wisconsin where he got the ball in the post and, and made a really quick move and decisive and used his athleticism, didn't let um, anybody have time to recover. And so you wonder if, is there an opportunity to run some of the same high-low actions that they're doing with Bryant and Davis together? Can they do those with Thomas and OG and kind of get him uh, going inside, take advantage of his athleticism and some quick moves down there, um, let Thomas draw you know big guys away from the rim? So maybe something to look for. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But I think, yeah, as you said, we definitely need both those guys to get going. Yeah, uh, we do. All righty. Well, coming up, Andy and I are going to turn our attention to the defense because it has not been good, like really, really bad, and that has to change and soon. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their roots in being a Hoosier. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with my co-host on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms. Ryan Phillips had to take off early today, uh, but Andy is here. And you can join us after every IU basketball game over at assemblycall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. Uh, Andy, in the break, I just asked you how we should intro this segment, and your suggestion was gentle sobbing. Uh, That sounds about as good as (laughs) anything I can come up with. Uh, I mean, that's what it makes me want to do when I think about it and when I did the stats. So it only seems reasonable to just uh, transfer that here. Yes, it does. We were talking, of course, about Indiana's defense. Uh, It's been bad. It's been really bad. And we think back to last season when the turnaround happened. It's when Indiana started playing better defense. And this year, you know, we've seen Indiana play good defense. Indiana played outstanding defense in that North Carolina game at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. But we are now in this run where Indiana is giving up more than 1.1 points per possession almost every game. And if you're not that well-versed yet in points per possession, you know, one-point possession is kind of like the Mendoza line, you know, in, in, in baseball a little bit. Like, you, you know, you want to be – that's kind of the target, right? You want to be below one point per possession. An elite defense is going to be below .9, you know, like a Virginia, somebody like that. But if you're a team like Indiana and you play elite offense, you can get by – holding teams under one point per possession. And that's going to put you probably in the top three or four uh, in the conference. And last year, Indiana was one of the best teams in the Big Ten Conference, and that's why they won it by two games. This year, Indiana has been exactly the opposite through four games. Uh, So commence the gentle sobbing as Andy gives you some numbers that are not good. And we try to dissect what Indiana can do to improve its defense. Part of it, of course, is going to start with OG playing like the defensive stopper that he is. But Indiana's uh, defensive issues go a lot deeper than just that. Yeah, so against my better judgment, I went and uh, ran some numbers from, again, those those kind of top nine games this season compared to all of last year to a certain extent, but really looked uh, predominantly at the Big Ten season. So a few things uh, jumped out at me, and, and none of these is good, so I'll just kind of start in the order that I uh, that I came across them. So 
They've allowed at least 1.14 points per possession in all four Big Ten games so far. Uh, they did the same thing just three times last year in a total of 19 conference games. So counting um, the, the godforsaken Big Ten tournament game uh, that they lost. But even out of 19 times, they did that three times. So already in four games, they've done done that more times than they did a year ago. Uh, across those 19 games last year, they allowed in aggregate uh, over the entirety of the Big Ten season 1.01 points per possession. I actually was fairly surprised by how good that actually was. Um, certainly, it was a noticeable change in the defense and, and everybody notice that but um to know how good it really was uh almost on a game in and game out basis there were a few that were not great but but by and large they were good this year currently again four games somewhat small sample size 1.19 points per possession uh if you look across those nine games in total even including the carolina game where they were really good they're at 1.12 so kind of a, a staggering difference if you use those nine games as kind of a proxy for big 10 caliber competition and then uh as you mentioned so the last uh as i phrased it the last six decent teams have all scored uh, at least 1.14 points per possession, and seven of the nine uh, quote-unquote good opponents have scored at least 1.13. Um, so as you look at those kinds of numbers, I mean, it's not surprising uh, what the difference really is. And, and it's easy to to nitpick the turnovers, and they make us all want to rip our hair out. Um, but the turnover rate, quite honestly, is only slightly higher than uh, it was last year. And, and when you look at that over the course of a game, it's like a possession and a half difference. So um, the real difference when you look at year to year um, that staggering is how much the defense has regressed and how poorly they've continued to play against good competition. And, um, you know, if you were going to ask me one thing that needed to change, you might be able to get by with maybe only one of Thomas or OG, uh, you know, kind of breaking out and, and playing well. But I don't think you can get by if you don't fix the defense because IU has continued to play well uh, on the offensive end more often than not. And, uh, and they're still just not getting it done. They're just giving up way too many points. Yeah. And look, we're not breaking any news telling you that Indiana's defense hasn't been bad. You don't need numbers. You can see with the eye test and, you know, Andy, as we try to figure out what Indiana can do better defensively to me, I think it comes back to simplifying. You know, I know you notice, I think you tweet out a couple times in that Maryland game that it looks like Indiana's defending the ball screen differently every single time. And look, I get part of that is the scouting report and you want to have different things that you do for different people. And I know a couple years ago, Indiana would you know, switch its defense uh, you know, in the middle of the shot clock. And that was kind of this, you know, the big new thing. And they always seem to struggle doing that. And it just it always seems like maybe things are a little bit overcomplicated. And I would like to see this team just simplify things a little bit, get really good at something and then maybe add on to it. But it just feels like this team hasn't really defensively coalesced into any type of identity yet that it can hang its hat on. And so when possessions get tough, you know, the other team does what it does, and we don't really know what we do, and they're going to beat us when, when you go head-to-head with that. And I, you know, I don't know if it's that simple, you know, simplifying things, but it sure seems like where I'd like to see Indiana start because, look, I think a lot of times our greatest strength can be our greatest weakness. And Tom Crean, intellectually, I think, knows basketball as well as anyone in the country. I really think so. And I think he also maybe tries to put too much on the guy's plate. And whereas a really experienced team last year could handle it, these guys this year, a much younger team, a much more inexperienced team, they just don't seem to be able to do that. Yeah, I think the the ball screen thing has really stood out to me. Um, it stood out while we were there on Saturday. And there were a couple of possessions in a row. Jerron Davis didn't know where he was. And he gave up two layups in, in essentially the same play. And I think... What you see is at times they'll switch, at times they'll attempt to hedge, which um, they tend to leave, um, particularly when Brian's the one defending, you know, instead of kind of trying to route the guy to the sideline, 
leaves a gap where the defender can, can or the, the offensive player can split IU's two defenders and get to the basket. And at that point, you know, all bets are off. The help defense is, has question marks, but you, you'd like to not even get to that point. And so um, I, I agree that I talked about this in the, in the game in Maryland. There was a, a late game possession where they went, you know, did something. They kind of chased Anthony Cowan around the screen. And he's a, you know, a 35% three-point shooter. If Go under the screen. Make the guy beat you from deep. Same thing with Melo Trimble. While a really good closer late in the game, he shoots 52% from twos, gets to the line a ton, and he's shooting 35% from three-point range. If he beats you from out there where it's not his strength, then so be it. Um, But I thought too many times um, they really allowed, uh, you know, Maryland to get the ball where they wanted in those kinds of scenarios. And I think perhaps you're right that simplifying that helps because whether it's they're trying to do something different against different personnel against different places you know different places on the floor um different times in the game i don't know what the i don't know what the answer is but there's not a lot of consistency in how they play those and i'd rather you know figure out one consistent way that they're going to do it and if it works then great um then all the better but i think simplifying was something they even talked about a little bit last year of really trying to just focus in on you know hammering home fundamental things and uh, i think that would be uh, a good start as, as they go forward because uh if they don't get that short up teams are are watching film. The pick and roll is such a big part of, uh, of college basketball and, and NBA basketball at this point. I mean, their teams are just going to do that to, to death, uh, against you until you prove that you can stop it with some consistency. And I, you have certainly, uh, not proven the ability to do that thus far. You're listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy bottoms. And we're talking IU basketball, specifically looking at the defense, which has to get better for Indiana to turn this season around you know, and Andy, I don't want to dwell all on the negatives. I mean, it's been pretty negative with the defense, but I think in these last couple games, I've seen a few reasons to have some optimism. You know, I think we saw Zach McRoberts play some pretty good defense on Saturday against Illinois, and I think we've seen Tom Crean be willing to put guys on the bench who aren't playing defense and reward guys who are. I mean, we've seen Freddie McSwain play, and we know he's not giving you anything on offense, but he's out there trying and hustling on defense, and he's been rewarded with some playing time. And so I think, you know, the fact that Tom Crean is doing that is encouraging. I thought we saw Robert Johnson really get back to playing that Bulldog-style defense uh, against Maryland, Uh, you know, especially when you think back to that play that he got hurt on. The way that he competed uh, for 70 feet all the way until, you know, he drew that charge uh, and banged knees, I think it was with Melo Trimble, was really great to see because he needs to lead like that and compete like that on the defensive end. And, and look, you know, Thomas Bryant gets abused on defense some, but he's also been a little bit better of a rim protector in terms of blocking some shots. And so, look, it's mostly bad. There's no question that it's mostly bad. But also, I think we've seen some of the freshmen, uh, Curtis Jones and Devontae Green, are picking up their defense and showing, you know, a little bit more, Curtis especially, more competitive spirit on that end of the floor. And so there are some things that are maybe some signs that things are turning a little bit in these last two games. And now that tide has to completely turn as we move forward. But, you know, look, you can you have to really squint to see that silver lining. I get it. But I think at least those are some signs that there are a few things going in the right direction. Now, hopefully more things can go in that direction. Well, I think it starts a lot with the on-ball pressure. I think Robert Johnson did a really good job with that when, you know, he was really running through screens, fighting through those against Malcolm Hill, uh, did a good job against Trimble as well. And I think I was listening to a, a, the NBC um, College Basketball Talk podcast, and had Jay Billis on, he was talking about Duke, but I think some of the same things hold true for IU defensively that, you know, he mentioned the, the initial ball pressure hasn't been great. Uh, and they really aren't pushing guys off of where their their initial spot is and, and trying to lengthen those passing lanes. We talk about, you know, I use turnover rate offensively, uh, defensively is just as bad, if not worse. And so 
you know, can you push guys a little bit further out, a step further away from where they want to be, elongate those passing lanes and give yourself a better chance to uh, to jump those and make some plays. And I think we saw that. Uh, we've seen that with Bryant, uh, you know, in the Illinois game. There were times he really, you know, rooted guys out of the post and did a good job forcing them to catch the ball. And those other times they caught the ball with two feet in the paint. Um, so, you know, they really have to do some of the work early. It sounds, you know, I think we could dust off as many cliches as we want here, but they all probably apply to a certain extent uh, as we start thinking about that. And so, you know, with it pressure up the floor, pushing guys off the spot initially, not relaxing um, off the ball, you'll just see these times when kind of let up for just a second and the guy cuts by you. Um, and so I think there's, you know, there's things like that. Part of it's a learning process, but uh, I think part of it is a reason that why, you know, so many fans are getting frustrated because it feels like, uh, somewhat simple stuff and, and certainly repeated mistakes that you want to continue to see. So we've seen it for some possessions, as you mentioned, um, just has to be more consistent. It has to be, you know, instead of one or two in a row, it needs to be five in a row. Um, start small and figure out how you can do it. You know, win segments between timeouts, however you want to frame it up to the team. Um, you got to get to that point where you can string together, you know, more than one uh, and really start to, to make things happen and, and demoralize the opponent at that point. We see how you can get sometimes when they don't score well, um, the same thing holds true for a lot of teams. If you can really shut them down, um, you know, they start taking quick shots, four shots. Uh, and I think that's what Illinois really did early in the game when IU jumped out to such a big lead. Yeah, it all comes back to comfort, especially in the clutch. Indiana often offensively in these big games they've lost, the Hoosiers have looked uncomfortable on the offensive end. And too often the opponents have looked comfortable in tough situations with Indiana on the defensive end. And that's what needs to switch is Indiana needs to make other teams uncomfortable by extending the ball pressure, by making it hard to make passes, by just making it hard to get to the spot that you want to get to. And then on the flip side, Indiana has to have a good idea of what it wants to do offensively and be assertive and aggressive and confident and make put the defense back on their heels. And too often that has been reversed. And I think that's kind of the theme, talking about OG and Thomas, talking about the defense. Indiana has to get to a comfort level themselves and force some discomfort on the opposition. And if they do that, they can get back to winning games with some regularity. And if they don't, this up-and-down nature and losing some of these games that they shouldn't is going to continue. All righty. Well, coming up in our final segment, Andy is going to give us a quick look ahead at Indiana's upcoming opponents. And then we wow you and thrill you with our bold predictions for the upcoming week in Indiana basketball. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms, wrapping up here in our final segment for this week. Andy, we are going to look ahead to Indiana's opponents uh, for this upcoming week. We're going to do something first that the Indiana team definitely should not do on Sunday, and that's we're going to look right past Rutgers. Uh, Surely, hopefully, it's safe to assume that game will be a win at home. So we're going to look past Rutgers, and we're going to go to Penn State, and Ryan said something before he left that's going to give me nightmares. He said that playing at Penn State is kind of like the new barn. And I really wanted to disagree with him, but I can't because playing up there terrifies me. Um, so give us a quick look at what Penn State offers uh, when Indiana heads up there. Yeah, so I, I really thought you know Penn State would make a bit of a jump. They had a good recruiting class come in this year, and I uh, was expecting a little bit more out of them. They struggled a bit, um, but they did just beat Michigan State in the Palestra. Uh, last weekend. So they're two and two in the Big Ten. Uh, a really balanced uh, from a scoring perspective. They've got five guys averaging between 10 and 13 points a game. 
so, you know, not a lot of those are big guys. Three of them are freshmen, um, including one redshirt freshman, Mike Watkins, who's also leading them in rebounding. And two so, of them are guys effort, that Indiana not, recruited heavily, Carr and yeah. Stevens. And yeah, Lamar Stevens. So yeah, both those guys are, uh, are playing really well, both averaging double figures and at least five rebounds. So, um, you know, so I think they're, uh, you know, that's a, a group of guys where you can't necessarily focus in on, on one player. Uh, if you look at efficiency metrics, you know, offense is, has not been good and they're middle of the road in the country there, but defense, they've been pretty solid. So, um, that's something, you know, can, can they make IU uncomfortable as we mentioned? Uh, and, and by the same token, can IU, uh, do some things defensively against a team that has not, uh, not consistently been able to put points on the board this year. So, um, definitely a, a somewhat terrifying place to go in. Uh, against the balanced team who who should have a bit more confidence uh, after beating Michigan State. And really, they should have beat Michigan. They blew a 14-point lead in that and uh, and lost that one on the road. So they could easily be 3-1 uh, in the Big Ten. Certainly a winnable game, but don't don't look past that. Penn State, they got a good coach, some, some good talent, and it's tough playing up there. So uh, definitely not a game to look past. All right, let's hop in real quick and get our reasonable predictions. Andy, you've been doing much better since we went from bold predictions to reasonable predictions. You got yours last week because Indiana did make more than 18 threes. They made 23. Ryan got his because Indiana won, which I guess that counted as a prediction. I, of course, lost. Uh, I said Indiana would win the turnover battle against Illinois. They didn't, even though they won the game. So you're three and four. Ryan is one and six. I am 0 for seven right now. Uh, so let's move to this week, get some bold predictions. Uh, Ryan went with Indiana winning both games, and that certainly qualifies. Uh, I think if Indiana can win two in a row, uh, they haven't done that in a while, so we'll, we'll give Ryan that one uh, for some boldness. Uh, what do you have for us this week? All right, well, I'm hoping to get back to 500 and uh, not taking my own advice, listen to all those stats I just quoted on the defense. So I'm going to say uh, against a couple teams that have struggled offensively, IU starts to figure th- some things out on that end and holds both of them to under 1.05 points per possession, which uh, for those teams would actually be not that bad, but for IU's defense would be an incredible improvement. So uh, I'm, for reasons unbeknownst to me, putting my eggs in the basket of a defense that I spent the better part of six minutes providing stats on why they were not pretty good at all. You know, it's funny. It's almost like you and I have guilty consciences because you're going with you talked about IU's defense, gave us all the reasons why it hasn't been good. And now you're trusting IU's defense for your prediction. And for my reasonable slash bold prediction, I'm putting my faith back in OG. And I'm going to say that that dunk against Maryland at the end of the game starts to propel him forward to some better play. And so I say that, and I'm just going with the Rutgers game right here. I don't want to look too far ahead, but I'm going with the Rutgers game. And OG played well at Rutgers last year. Remember, that was kind of part of his coming out party. He played really well in that game. I say he's going to have at least 10 points and then at least 10 rebound steals and blocks. So you never quite know how he's going to get those, but I think that would be a pretty good game from him. You know, maybe six rebounds, a couple of steals, a couple of blocks. But I say 10 and 10 for OG. That's what I'm going with. So you're trusting the defense. I'm trusting OG. We can criticize. We can critique. But at the end of the day, we trust our team. And we're sticking by them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My, my takeaway from that is we're either guilty or idiots. Um, <laughs> one of the two. And second, you have not learned your lesson the entire time we've done these about having these multi-dimensional uh, <laughs> These multi-dimensional and you're like it can't just be one thing. You have to like tack something else on. So I look forward to having this discussion when we find out which one of those came true and which one of them did not. I know. I've never been very good at the predictions because I've never picked against Indiana anytime we've done the predictions, which has always left me in last place in our prediction league. Uh, and you're right, I do do those, but you know, I don't know. It, it just se- it doesn't seem that bold to just do one thing. I'm trying to give the listeners something interesting. I care about the listeners. 
you and Ryan only care about your records. That's how I'm uh, gonna frame so, this to myself. So so untrue. After it was your idea to back off of bold predictions <laughs> to reasonable predictions, I got it. Right. By the way, I was gonna go for my prediction that Ryan will not be offered an internship with the Chargers this year, um, but that's just too obvious. So that ship has sailed, been lit on fire, um, and sunk in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think it has. Uh, well, hey, you know, this is a big week for Indiana. Uh, you know, a couple of winnable games. Certainly, Indiana has to take care of business on Sunday against Rutgers and then go get a road win. That's going to be a tough game against Penn State, but the Hoosiers have to make up some ground on the road given the, the games that they dropped at home. And so we will see if they can do it. That will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com after the IU Rutgers and IU Penn State games for our post game show. Or you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks, of course, to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.